Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. Thanks for being here. Great to have you back. You've chosen a good week to be back as well because I'm joined by a friend of mine by the name of Dane Verway. I think it's his third time on the show. And Dane's a bloke that I run against for nearly 20 years now, though the last few years there hasn't been so much racing against each other. When we were young, around under 14s, all the way through to open competition, Dane and I raced each other on a regular basis. And I was friends with him then. Um, He's a great guy to talk to about running, not only because he's been involved in it for so long, but also because of the fact he's now a running PT or running physio. So he's got great insight into the sport. He's a really, really good brain to pick around all running injuries. And I do a little bit of that today. We also dance around just various subjects of running throughout the conversation and follow a few rabbit holes. So it's always a, a really interesting chat. Um, before we get into it, just wanted to remind you that we have a couple of spaces open for private or personal one-on-one running coaching. So if you're a runner or an athlete from a running-based sport that could do with some running coaching to try and get yourself a little closer to where it is that you're trying to compete at, trying to navigate injuries, whatever it might be that you might need a coach for, I'd be be happy to have a chat to you about whether or not we might be a good fit for each other. So if that's you, um, jump over to relaxrunning.com. If you're just interested in technique analysis or some general guidance or training plans, make sure you check that out as well. Everything is over at relaxrunning.com. But for now, let me introduce to you for the third time on the show, Dane Verway. It's good to see you. I um, actually can't remember the the last time we chatted. I think probably like most friends of mine, like you, the last time we talked was yeah. on the podcast. And I reckon that was like a year or a year and a half ago. But we, uh, I mean, we make up for lost time with good long conversations. So dude, what's, uh, what's going on in your world, man? It's been a little while. There's always a couple of big updates to, to film, yeah, you know. Um, well, um, my baby girl Riley, she's fourteen months old now, um, and so that's been that's been amazing the past uh, fourteen months. Like just getting used to being a dad, and um, and then what else? Um, probably probably just um, really establishing my my, um, my own business. Um, yeah, just from home as a physio, um, and getting the gym and the, the clinic sort of up and running and getting more comfortable with that. And, uh, yeah, they're probably the main things. Like, yeah, otherwise still running and, yeah, still enjoying talking everything running and physio. So, like, I just have been digesting so much information the last last year or so now that I've practised by myself. Like, I just, um, I just seem to have really... Um, my running personally hasn't been going as well like because you can't spend as much time doing it as a dad. Um, but it seems like I've doubled down with the coaching and uh, the physio side and and, um, and trying to help others um, on their little uh, running journeys. Yeah. yeah, it's wild, man, isn't it? Like the introduction to the world of parenthood yeah. is a, it's a real game changer. I've got so much respect for people who are trying to juggle full-time work and training for big races and also have one kid, even one kid. Yeah, like one kid at home is crazy. We've just had two. So I have less sympathy for you now than I used to. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I tell you what, like the first 12 months of, of parenthood was such a, it's just a head spin, isn't it? Like all of a sudden you're like, what do you mean? I can't just go out and do my training session on the Saturday morning. Um, but I have to look after this other little life. So has that that's been a bit of a, a bit of a juggle. It's funny as well when you have to give like a, short overview of how the last 18 months have gone and like you say in a sentence without all the the bumps and the big hills and the scary details of everything that entails but have you guys you guys getting it down to a a bit more of a fine art now yeah you you have your days yeah like you definitely have a day where it goes well but then there's there's um yeah I didn't know you've had two Oh, dude, mate, that's what I'm talking about. Me and Jesse, we yeah. don't muck around. Just green juice and push-ups cool. and give me 18 give me eighteen months. Yeah, brother. Yeah. So we've got a, a little boy, Ollie. So we've got two yeah. boys, which I, I've really quickly learnt in terms of if you want a household to run smoothly and not be intense, like go for girls, have <laughs> girls. 
But if you want boys to wrestle and fight and throw and smash, just do what me and Jess did. <laughs> and just keep pumping out boys. <laughs> it's um, yeah, bro. It's been a it's been a wild uh, a wild little whirlwind over at our place as well. Yeah, we're we've been like Riley just sits there. She just um. Like she doesn't sleep, but she's just when she's um, up, she just sits there. So she just stares at stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they're they're so good. Um, like yeah, it's so amazing to to watch them develop and and how they learn. And um, I just find it fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating, man. But you're you're uh, fully out on your own now. Then in terms of running your business, I, I can see, or I'm guessing. Based on memory, I've been in there once before. You're in your little studio yeah, there. Yeah, um, yeah, just, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, the gym's next door, and and then this is just where I um get uh, consult like uh, yeah and treat um, runners, um, largely runners. Um, but yeah, it's it's been going well. And then I've just been doing the coaching as well, which has been super fun. And uh, I've, the group I've coached now is I've coached them for four years and uh they're all best mates now like they're just out of school and it's been awesome to see it's almost like running itself um and uh yeah and how much they've developed so that that aspect and and then just um being able to have the freedom and flexibility to treat a little bit differently at home and run my own uh schedule and uh take a little bit longer with patients and and really sort of feel like you're getting to the the bottom of things um yeah, I've, I've really liked um, the setup I've got, and then the flexibility it allows to be a dad and, and you know help Jess out when when needed and and change your schedule around. So that's been been awesome. Yeah, that's good. So so how many how many athletes are you coaching? Oh, I'm coaching about ten ten uh, boys or, or young men, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, just out of school. So um, or a couple of them are just finishing school. So they're all average age is probably 23 and uh yeah they've had a ripper track season um they keep surprising me um and i don't i think it's um literally because of their their group and the culture and the energy that they're they're um being able to they just enjoy each other's company so they're enjoy you, you would have had it like growing up twice like you did have it like i saw like it just you enjoy going to training because they're all your best mates and and then it and then it it just happens because um you're enjoying being there you, that fosters consistency and and then they start to believe in each other and encourage each other and they watch one person do well and then the other person does well the next week because or they learn from that person uh so it's been awesome i i mean I'm just sort of a f- facilitator really like I nudge them gently uh but but uh yeah it's been cool to learn a lot as co- as a coach like i I reckon I started a bit more sort of like, oh, this is how you do it. Now I'm just sort of there and, and I'm like, oh, well, what do you guys want to do? Or what? Because they're, they're pretty mature and, and sort of working with them rather than sort of um, telling them what to do, I guess. Yeah. It's a really good point you make about having that group and that camaraderie out at the training track and how that fosters consistency. Because you're right, I had – in all the groups that I trained with, like from Joe Carmody, actually from Marg Saunders, who lives in Western Australia originally, we had sort of five or six really good, solid athletes there. And then I came over to Joe Carmody, and that's what I, that was probably the best group I ever had in terms of um, me being a young fella and just trying to understand what to do as an athlete. I had sort of Craig and Dean Huffer. I know you know Jock or James O'Connor. And we had about probably, there was probably 10 groups, Brendan Woodman, though they were in Melbourne, I was down in Gippsland. But the the thing that was so good about it was exactly what you said. Like not only were we all around the same level in ability, but just that friendship that we had most of the time when it wasn't before yeah. a race, just that friendship that we had, it made it an enjoyable experience. Like I don't know how you went, but when I left running competitively, uh, that was part of the reason I wanted to get back in into the sport in some capacity. And like you went went down the coaching route was because you just there's such a good friendship that's built through hard work and planning and preparation and obviously a sport like running yeah you're getting all angles of developing you know a relationship or a a unique personality because you're not just dealing with success but you're dealing with injuries and frustrations and disappointment um and to have that crew around you I think is is really undervalued I've been watching I don't know if you've heard of uh, I think it's Louis Orta or Louis Orta 
the little Venezuelan marathon yeah. runner, and he puts together these awesome marathon, uh, these awesome training productions where he's got a videographer and they go to Kenya for a, a couple of months. And, dude, the footage that these guys post on YouTube of the Kenyan training groups, it is like an absolute dream. So it looks like every run, man, there's about 40 or 30 or 40 Kenyans out there, all at different abilities and levels, running at different paces. But they're all just having, like they're, they're out there just pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. And, and uh, I don't know, like I heard Ali Kipchoge speak about it on, on a podcast a while ago. And he was saying that a lot of the time on a Monday run, they'll go out for 20Ks. But you're not, you're not just in your head. You're running along and you're having a laugh with your mates. And before you know it, you're like, oh, we've, we've just run yeah. 20Ks. So it's interesting to hear you talk about like that. Has, has that been something that's sort of naturally progressed in the group? Or have you tried to foster that oh, a little just, more? It, um, I probably, I, I, yeah, like you, I had, had the same growing up um, with a group down here in Frankston. And um, so I had the personal experience of like knowing how valuable it could be. So sort of like set the group up, set the group up, but at the same time, didn't know that they were going to get along so well and get to know each other so well. And but I think like you just kind of the constraints of distance running, like you just naturally get to know someone pretty well. If you're spending ninety minutes to two hours on a Sunday, like and you you cover all the superficial sort of um, uh, fluffy kind of chat, and then you've got no other option than to. Uh, come up with some random topics or novel topics or um, go deep on, on certain areas. So, um, yeah, they've all got to know each other's personality and uh, and what makes them tick and um, their strengths and weaknesses. Like they all sort of really know each other quite well now. And how good is that? Like to have a community that you catch up with uh, two or three times a week um, that uh, know you so well and, and you can sort of um, – yeah, unburden or, or um, yeah, just just laugh like you said um, with. So that's that's um, what I've grown to appreciate more and more. Um, I think um, you sort of know it as a as a, a youngster, but at the same time, like you're just trying to get better. So you think it, you just talk about the sessions, you talk about the workouts, um, but you don't you don't talk about everything else that goes with it. Yeah, it's so true. It's funny that you say about just getting past the small talk on a long run. It's such a good point. I, do you remember Nick Whiteman? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick Whiteman. I, Nick and I raced each other for 10 years, and I would see him at the track, and we were always friendly. I'd say, get a Nick, you'd go, get a Tyson. And that was the end of our conversation. And then and then I, uh, I saw him running around up here because he lives in Point Lonsdale, same town yeah. as me. And I just randomly saw him running around, and I could tell by looking at him pretty quickly that he was he was still fit, like he was – doing a threshold session or something. I thought, mate, the guy looks amazing. Anyway, I bumped into him one day and we started having a chat. And this is another story, but I'm going to run the the Melbourne Marathon again this year just to try and make up for my last nice. attempt. What's your aim? And so him, him and I, oh, we'll get into that. That's a story I want to tell you because, uh, and you can keep me accountable. <laughs> but him and I have been going out for a couple of long runs and like a couple of times we've run 20Ks together. And it's just so funny because I was thinking the exact same thing. In the 10 years that we had known each other or knew who each other were, we'd never talked for more than 30 <laughs> seconds. So <laughs> you're right. I feel like I know so much about him and his family and his kids and like their houses and stuff just based on a couple of long runs, which is which has been unreal. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's a, a blessing in disguise to run into him as well because, as I said, um, I'm going to go back and, and have a crack at at Melbourne this year. And, dude, we can talk about that, but you asked me what yeah. I'm trying to do. Unofficially, I'm just trying to break three hours. That's, I'm just saying that's nice. my goal. But my problem is is I love yeah. running, and I know I used to be quite good at it, and I know sort of how to improve my training. And every now and then there's a little thing in the back of my head that goes, you could break 240. Nice. Like, go on, and I go, hey, settle down, Tosh. You haven't raced in 10 years. <laughs> so somewhere – so honestly, I think I think I'll probably set out and I'll try and run maybe two forty five if I can. Nice. But I feel like there's a lot of things that have to go together. Well, like I uh, at the moment, all I'm doing is running four days a week. Like a, Sundays, I'm I'm sort of just putting on about two k's every month. So at the moment, I'm up to a twenty k long run. Next month, I'll do twenty two, and then I reckon I'll get to about twenty six and use that as my base up till about kind of June yep. or July. And then from there, I'll probably try and get a bit more consistent around 
sort of 32 to 35. And then I was talking to Pat Tin on here the other day, and he was telling me that he went out for a, like his longest run was was 45K, which blew my mind because I just, uh, I I feel like most top athletes that I know of sort of top out at around 36 to 38. So I kind of like that approach. I like what he did. So I think maybe maybe six weeks out, I'll, I'll have a crack at like 45. And, but nothing crazy. But anyway, yeah, and then I'm doing a session on a Wednesday, an easy run on Tuesday and a Friday. And it's at the moment I'm averaging about 50K yep. a week. But um, my uh, – yeah, I was doing a session the other day. I was just doing the classic old six by yep. a K. And with, with 100 metres left to go in my sixth rep, I, I got like a little twing, little ping in my uh, in my oh, gastro, in my gastro oh, nevus or whatever tough. it's called. Is, yeah, that's what they call it, and I don't like it. So, <laughs> so at the moment, I'm uh, I'm about six. I haven't run for the last six days or so, and I had the problem on my like my soleus of the same leg for a little while, and uh, I just hadn't been doing anything to treat it. I hadn't been massaging. I I just hadn't been treating it well. Yeah. And anyway, I'd been a lot more consistent with with massage, which I slacked off a bit with the last couple of weeks, and then sort of the outside of the calf went so. Yeah, what what is the cause of that, man? Because I've been, I know there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of different reasons, but for for me, it seems to be like going into that session last Wednesday, I I knew my calves were a little tight, yeah. but I used to always get tight calves after a track session back in the day, so I just thought it was like a little bit of DOMS going on. Yep. I think in hindsight, I, I probably should have just gone out for an easy run, um, but yeah, I've just been getting excited about those Wednesday sessions, so yeah. I, I went out and had a crack, but. Yeah, is there is there any sort of well known reasons that um, you know old man calves start to to set in? Yeah, because there's obviously like Kip Choge is what thirty seven, yeah. and he seems to be in the best form of his life as is Djokovic. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not I'm not buying into that. I'm uh, I'm figuring out how to fix this bad boy. Oh yeah, like um, there's definitely this concept of um, so every year after thirty, um, like with the concept of aging, like your, your hormones are changing. And there's this thing called sarcopenia. So you're actually losing muscle mass um, throughout your body by about, they say 1% every year if um, we're not doing anything about it. Um, And so the idea is that, um, yeah, if you have um, any time off races or spikes or speed work or um, running full stop, you don't actually get the... uh, stimulus for, to, to keep your calves strong and they're actually naturally sort of getting a little bit weaker so you you and you need your calf to um to be super strong as a runner like it's it's such an underrated muscle um uh in running like so many people do squats and lunges in the gym um but you very seldom see people um launching into a calf raise um and and doing some single leg calf raises with a weight uh and so, and, and then you very as a, as an adult, we're very not we're not skipping, we're not um, jumping around like we do as kids. So we've got a job, and then we go for a run, like, um, and we're not doing that ballistic sort of um, with a skipping rope, like like a boxer, like. And so maybe um, doing a little bit of those things like is important, but uh, a lot of people, I guess, like um, it's like anything. Like, okay, that might be what you need to work on, but it's like, okay, how how do I go about addressing this and what's a timely way to to do this and um, to get it stronger but then not overload it so it keeps getting sore? So, um, yeah, it's it's a tricky tricky one, Tice, because, like, I had one too. Like, um, about three weeks ago, I had a, a, a strained calf as well. Um, but I think I must have dodged a bullet because after about seven days it, it sort of came good. Um, and why do I reckon I got it? It's because I had about a month where I had a bit of interrupted training, um, didn't do any speed work, and then stupidly, like as um, most running physios do, they don't know how to take care of themselves, and I put spikes on and did a speed session, first first session back with the kids I coached because I just wanted to join in with them and got, like, sucked in, and... Uh, <laughs> And then after about the sixth rep, I felt something strain. Um, and, yeah, I, I'd done a bit of sand running two days before that, which in the past has been something that fatigues my calves a bit. 
And I'd also been doing plyometrics um, the day before with a, with a patient I treat. So when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, there were so many, like, it's, it was easy in retrospect to go, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, but I think it's so, it's so hard to make those decisions by yourself and, and for yourself. And that's where I think um, sometimes having a coach can be valuable because uh, especially when you communicate to them well, they're like, oh, no, don't do that. That's silly. Like you haven't, you haven't done uh, speed work for a while. Uh, don't put spikes on um, or don't, don't uh, do that session because you've, um, you, you've uh, done a few trail runs that you hadn't done for a while as well. So I don't know. It's, 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 it's easy to say one thing, but then um, uh, when it comes to yourself, sometimes it's easy to, um, it's hard to walk the talk, I guess. Oh, it's such a good point. And that really rings a bell. It resonates with my situation because, as I said, I, I I think it was probably just before Christmas I started to get back into a bit more serious running and the intense pace hadn't been a part of the training schedule for years, really. And, like, there was a time in the middle of last year where I was starting to run a bit more and, uh, yeah, my solace was seizing up a little bit. And, yeah, I forgot, but I actually got into some skipping into some massage and was just a bit more consistent with keeping it loose and, and, and just keeping it malleable, I guess, which the skipping something I'd completely forgotten about. But I think the pace was probably the culprit for this because I hadn't run much faster than sort of 3.45 pace for the last six or seven years. And then I've gradually been doing some threshold runs about around that. But then as I was doing the, the, the Ks, you just get that muscle memory is incredible. You just get back into a bit of a rhythm and, there's like a slight increase. So you go out and you do that way, it's about 3.30. And then you run back and you do it in about 3.15. And I was doing the 3.15 one on the way back. And it was my last round. And I was feeling fantastic. I was like, oh, Pop, you still got it, mate. And then <laughs> as, as fate would have it, just to keep me humble. Um, yeah, the the I was I was literally 100 metres away. And it was almost the end of a brilliant session. I was looking forward to writing it down in the diary. And um, anyway, I, instead I limped home and had to ice my leg. But I, I think like you, I think it was quite minor, despite the fact I wanted to finish it and push through. I know that would have set me out for another two weeks. So I was like, all right, yeah. just stop. And then, um, yeah, I, today has been six days and I just walked over to the beach before we started talking and, like, there's almost no pain there. So I'm hoping in uh, – what, what's the usual turnaround? Like, do you reckon the next week or so I, I should start just doing some light jogging if it's pain-free? Or, yeah. like, how, how long do you usually well, recommend? That's actually a really good question, Tyce. Like, because um, – I reckon this is where. So, I I was very for, I was very surprised with my recent one. Like I, I actually don't know what it was because like it's just gone away, and I've been very lucky, and I've yeah. been able to just zip back into normal training. Which I I actually see um, when it is a real calf strain. So when it is actually like a strained muscle, um, I see a lot of people getting complacent with calf strains and. Um, and it might feel good during the day, um, but then like they get, they go, oh yeah, I'm, uh, it's been about ten days. I'll, I'll go for my first run back, and they plan to do twenty minutes or a five k, and they get about um, ten minutes um, away from home, and then that's when their calf starts to fatigue. It might have been all right for the first, you know, ten minutes, but then they start to feel it, and then they're like, oh, I better stop and. Um, uh, oh, but I'm 10 minutes away from home. I'll just I'll just try to shuffle back, and and it and it gets quite sore. So, the walk jog program and and is the best way to get back. I think um, where you take the next logical step. You're like, okay, I know um, th- this doesn't seem like much um, in terms of aerobic fitness and training and getting um, fitter, but I'm gonna just train the muscle system and get it stronger by doing a one minute jog, four minute walk. And you might do that for 20 minutes. So you just cycle through one minute jog, four minute walk for 20 minutes. So only four minutes of running. Um, and you just give that a big tick. And if you can get through that, you like, and this is very recipe based, I know. And you can, you can do variations of all of this and you can be a little bit more aggressive or, but it, I think it does um, pay to be a little bit uh, patient upfront. And then you get rewarded down the track uh, with calves because they can become a bit recurrent. Um, when people just keep redoing them because they, they go, oh, well, I used to just do it. My easy run was 5K, so I'll just start with that. I think it pays to have those walk breaks um, to let your calf re- recover because uh, it 
because there is definitely a fatigue element to it and it might be okay with a few hops but it might not have the endurance yet to um this is if it's a real calf calf muscle strain and and then you you just progress that to a two minute jog so you add a minute onto the jog take a minute away from the walk and yeah you cycle through that for 20 minutes if you give that a big mm-hmm. tick you add another minute onto the jog take another minute away from the walk yeah um your next run uh, a couple of days in a couple of days time would be three minute jog two minute walk for 20 minutes and then four minute jog one minute walk uh, for 20 minutes so you're doing 16 minutes of jogging at that point just with those little walk breaks um if you get through that then you're back to continuous continuous running but that that's um real slow strategic approach um really pays off i i, I reckon um uh because the amount of people that i see just keep redoing them because uh they get complacent with how good it feels um on a daily basis but that just really demonstrates how little we use our calf on a daily basis like when we're just going to work and walking around we use it but we just don't use it anywhere near to the same level when we're bouncing along running yeah yeah Yeah, it's such a good point i was listening to a couple of youtube videos and i can't remember their names but they're two older pts or physios from the states and one of the things they were saying just in the the rehab like they they covered exactly what you just said then they spoke about some of the ways that different athletes like to return to the sport after an injury like that but one of the things that surprised me was one of the physios was saying that after about a week if you have torn the calf a little bit like scar tissue starts to develop like in the muscle there's a little bit of scar tissue and he was encouraging even a week in even if it's a little bit tender just getting into it with your thumbs and doing a bit of massage which was a shock to me because I I would have just thought based on the fact there was inflammation in there, especially in the first couple of days, I, I wouldn't be doing that. But after a week was a surprise to me to, to hear it recommended to consider doing some massage because I thought still that inflammation would have been like a negative factor in the recovery. But I guess it, it kind of makes sense. It's like this is a bad example, but it kind of feels like you poke at a bruise sometimes. You know, you poke it, you're like, I don't know why I'm doing it, but there's some weird sadist part and it feels kind of nice. <laughs> it's like it, it, kind of, it kind of feels a little bit like that. And I know that's not necessarily beneficial for the bruise to go away. Yeah. So I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that yeah. or, or the benefits of what he's saying around massaging out that scar tissue because yeah. it, it feels wrong and right at the same time and I'm not sure how to interpret oh, it. I've, I've seen um, one lady um, about five years ago and she wasn't a runner, but she'd strained her calf and she'd rested for about seven weeks and just hardly put any weight on her calf. Um, and it wasn't a really bad strain because she had scans and so we sort of were able to deduce that it was a very minor grade one level uh, strain. It should have been better by now. Um, there was it wasn't um, there was nothing else sinister. There was no other red flags. Um uh, but I got to know her family quite well and realized that she was just scared to move it. Um, and, and so she, 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 her, she had an injury that should have probably been better at about three or four weeks or a lot, lot better if she was moving it. So it shows how important a little bit of stress is um, once you're sort of getting to that um, stage where it's turning into a bit more scar tissue and not as inflamed uh, to, to, stimulate blood flow and and to make the injury heal like a runner's leg so to make it heal like you to to show it what you want it to do so uh i like to think of it if you just rest it and wrap it in cotton wool for seven weeks it's going to heal like a sedentary leg and the scar tissue is going to be a little bit um i don't know claggy and and uh weak and and uh and stiff um but then if you're if you picture the healing scar tissue like glue and you're just making it more supple and you're stretching it out because you're, you're showing by running a little bit or by moving it a little bit um, and stretching it a little bit, you're showing that you're putting force through the, the healing site and then that actually triggers the body to go, oh, that's how I need to remodel. Like that's how I need to um, repair um, so you, you just show, like the body is an amazing thing. It's, it's living and uh, that's what I love about it. Like you can apply mechanical stress and you can actually get it to shape or remodel how you want it to. 
um, in a lot of ways. Um, that, that's how gym works. That's how running works. Like you can, you can really, you've got a lot of control over it. Um, uh, so yes, it's, it's I, I'm, I'd be, yeah, a little bit of light massage is good, but I also like the idea of, um, some, um, empowering kind of calf raises or stretches or, or um, movement um, so that the athlete can achieve very similar results to what they're going to get with the massage to a certain extent. Um, yeah. But they can do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. I, um, yeah. When I was telling you earlier last year that I, I kept doing the, the soleus, my biggest mistake was I just ref- like the pain just felt like a post track session pain. So it was just like a little bit of tightness and the best thing for that tension back in the day after a track session was I just like to stretch my calves. It felt great and I would massage it. And so I think the mistake that I was making last year, which caused these problems just to keep coming back was I would strain one part of my calf and then I'd be like, oh, it feels like that tension from a track session. So I would stretch it and I would massage it. And I think I was just pumping that inflammation. So after a week of being pretty consistent of trying to do this stuff, I was like, hey, why does it feel worse than when I did it last year, than when I did it last, last week? And I think part of that for me was the fact that I was, um, yeah, just maybe bombarding the muscle with too much inflammation. It wasn't getting a, a chance to actually recover. So yeah. I like the process you say, just sort of, um, yeah, be a little bit smart about it. But but that's a great point about helping it heal like a runner's leg. Like I'd never really thought of it. You don't want claggy scar yeah. tissue if you're going to be activating that muscle on a regular basis, yeah. do you? Yeah, like you're actually strengthening the scar tissue for the long term. So you're actually less likely to redo it. Um Whereas you're more likely to it not to feel right, like there's something there um, if you don't don't exercise it. Um, yeah, um, went you know gra- gradually over the um, weeks when it feels like you use your common sense, like you know when it's not quite ready. But sometimes, like just chatting to someone who's seen a few of them, uh, just to get the tick. Oh, yep, you can do this or that, and and do a little bit more. But yeah, actually, the other thing that I was thinking to just entice about the hands-on stuff is. I just did a course on the weekend and sometimes like uh, having someone put their hands on the injured site, it, not just from a physical point of view, but from a psychological point of view can be quite, quite comforting. Like it almost, um, it almost gets the brain to uh, accept that that is part of you again. Like it's almost like the brain neglects the painful area and tries to ignore it. And then it just doesn't feel right, but there's something uh yeah mystical about like um someone putting their hands on on that body part sometimes and it almost helps the the person uh get their um sensory input back um and normalize it and recalibrate and rather than being a bit um uh a bit sort of uh inhibited and um neglecting that injured site so sometimes the hands-on stuff can help even just from a oh it just feels a bit like more relaxed now or or it actually I feel like it gets their confidence up like oh you can you can put some weight through this leg so sometimes there's even that aspect it depends on the person Mm. yeah it makes a lot of sense man I'm such a physical touch boy as well that I reckon that kind of approach would be beneficial like I'm I'm a sucker for a cuddle and people talk about like the oxytocin and stuff that's released in a cuddle I I genuinely feel that like when I go and get a massage, there is a part of me that I fully relate to what you're saying. I'm yep. like, yeah, even if it's a painful massage where they're going deep, like if I've gone in there with some tension and even if it's not like, yeah, maybe that's one part of it. The actual hands-on contact is one element, but then just leaving that, knowing that the actual site's been treated, especially if it's by a professional of some sort, it's that whether it's placebo or not, I don't know. But a lot of the time I'll walk out and I go, Hey, I'm, my body's in better shape than what I went in there, uh, even if it doesn't feel that way momentarily yeah. or for the next couple of days. You always, you know, if I got it on the Tuesday, maybe by the Thursday, I'm I'm always grateful for it. So, yeah, that could be an area I should prioritize as well. Is it? Are you? Um, I don't know how how uh, serious you're taking your training and stuff at the moment. I know you said it's a bit more difficult with, say, Riley's your daughter. Yeah, Riley. Name? Yeah, yep. Riley. I don't know if it's more difficult with her but like when when you're in full training are you scheduling massages and and things like that on a regular basis because I've just been doing my own stuff on the foam roller and um I haven't been that strict about you know scheduling yeah definitely like but probably the last eight ten weeks like um I would get a massage once a week um just 
because it feels like then you're ticking the boxes, like you're just doing everything you can to um, make sure that the body stays on the good side of injury. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I just generally feel a little bit lighter and better after a massage. Like, and I don't know, don't know why. Um, and, um, and it's kind of like when you're standing in the ocean for 10, 15 minutes and then you get out and you just feel feel magic. Um, same same kind of feeling, but I, I think that can only be a good thing. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely the last 8, 10, 10 weeks when the training's really like ramped up and you're, you're doing those 30 plus K long runs. Um, I just wanted to say like before my first marathon, um, my longest long run was 34 K. Um, so yeah, I remember hmm. standing on the start line and, um, cause yeah, just, just listening to what you're saying about Paddy Tiernan, um, covering like the distance before he actually, um, uh, did the race. Um, but I just remember standing on the start line, like, Oh, I'm going to run my longest ever run and it's going to be fast as well. So it was like a quite a daunting, <laughs> daunting prospect prospect. But like, I think cause you're starting from such a long way out, like I think a lot of people, um, don't account for like the accumulative effect of like all those 20 plus K long runs. Like, um, and, and sometimes, and, and as you know, like just, I guess the risk of doing the 40, 45 K long run is that you've, you've run your race on that day and, and then you're really flat for four weeks or whatever after. And maybe you could have run your 245 um, on the day, but you're still a bit tired. Um, and then obviously there's the chance of injury, which we're always trying to um, navigate as well. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a hard one to, it's a hard one to understand because exactly what you said is you did it better than me. My approach last time was, was very like, I was just getting up each day and going, all right, what do I feel like today? All right, I'll do 15 K. And it was, it was just a dumb approach. I, I wasn't that serious about it. It was more just to, to tick the box of, you know, of having done a marathon. But I think, finishing that and anyone who listens to this podcast regularly would be so sick of hearing me talk about it but I think in terms of just showing a little bit of respect to to the distance that you've got to run but also to my own body like you need to put in that that's why I'm starting so much earlier on because I know that if I'm going to do it I need to callous my legs a little bit and um, make sure that these calf strains are happening early in the piece. so hopefully in the next couple of months it's not so much of an issue but <clears throat> Yeah, I remember the exact same thing. I was standing on the start line last time and my longest run had been 30K and my second longest run was about 24K. And I think I'd probably done like five or six runs over 20K. So I don't know who I was trying to, who I think I was trying to fool. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess you've got to be careful not to go too far the other way, yeah. don't you? Because I, I, the way Paddy explained it was, it was, he ran, ended up running two hours 11 for the marathon. And I think this long run that he did, he went out and yeah, it was two hours 45. So he's still sort of half an hour slower than what he was aiming to run for the actual distance. So I think if you're going to do that, you'd have to find some balance with pace. Like you couldn't go out there and go, all right, I'm just going to try and get a feel for race pace yeah. <laughs> for this whole way because, yeah, that's that's playing with fire. But, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting balance, isn't it, knowing like, all right, do we do 34 and take into consideration that cumulative effect or do we roll the dice and do 44 and potentially push it too far in one one run. Yeah, it was have you heard of many people doing more than the distance in the lead up? Because that was that was very new to me when I heard Paddy oh, speak about it. Apart from yeah. the likes of Paul Turgat. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of it a bit, but it's definitely more the runners that have done. I reckon about eight to ten marathons, and they've done a lot of builds, and they're just trying to find that little bit extra. Like um, uh, they 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 feel like they need a different different um stimulus to try to like edge their performance and. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, with the marathon, it's so hard to like prepare for because you, like you run the, it's, you can't really be super specific for the event because otherwise you're just going to, you know, tire yourself out. Like, um, you run 42 Ks hard, like that's your race. So like, you're going to be, you're going to spend like four weeks trying to recover from it. And then there goes four, six weeks of training. So um like it, it, I've, I've always sort of been of the mindset of just trying to um, chip away over a longer time um and then uh something that um yeah like uh like I've done I've done a few 
preps now where I've done a, a longer kind of uh, long run. Um, I I don't know. Like I, I've I've also done some preps where um, I felt like I peaked three or four weeks early, and um, I was because you never you, you're always doubting yourself. You never feel prepared for a marathon. You're always like, oh no, I need to do a little bit more. No, I need to do a little bit more because it's so hard to. With the shorter races, you know that you're, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I can just keep practicing that event and, and you really feel like you can hone in the event and you know when you're on and you, you can really develop your confidence um, from practicing parts of the event. The marathon, like so many people, like everyone stands on the start line and they're unsure really. Like they might be confident, but they're still there's still so much uncertainty. And I think that's the trap. Like a lot of people keep just going, no, nah, I've got to do more. I got to do more, and and then um, they um, get suckered in, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think sometimes resisting that urge and and going, nah, I'm I'm trusting the process here. I I feel like the accumulative effect um, is a safer route, and uh, you'll get um, the benefits of um, the callous legs um, uh, slowly over time. Uh, and um, yeah, okay, great. There's exposure to really being down tired and, and dehydrated and fatigued at the end of a end of a run but you're running that risk of like not being able to uh feel too good um uh after that and and maybe that's your your actual race so yeah that's a tricky one yeah. Tyson. I, I think um I, I reckon it's the longer long run is more in a, a an experience a runner that's just um really just trying to find that little bit extra and that, but they've probably tried a lot of other low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. I've got some, uh, I've got some, some brainstorming to do. Have you got any uh, on the horizon, any marathons that you're looking at? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I need to um, be held accountable. I want to do the Brisbane marathon. Um, so it's 16 weeks away and I'm, I'm not fit at the moment. So like I've got to um, really get my act together and um, start trying to get my Wednesday long runs going and long runs going on a Sunday and uh, for the next six weeks and then I'll I'll do like a um, uh, an eight eight week sort of marathon block but it'll be different I won't do doubles and I'm, I'm going to try to um, do it where I feel like I've covered enough territory but not get a sore Achilles. Like I reckon I had a sore Achilles for eight to ten years, and I finally don't have a sore Achilles um, because the last fourteen months um, I've done less running, and, it, and I'm finally doing a sensible amount of running, and um, my Achilles pain has gone away. So I'm like, I wonder if I just do a sensible amount of training for this marathon, but have a good functioning Achilles, whether that'll be um, how I'll go. So yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What what time will you sort of be looking at running? Oh, I want to um, try to um, feature well, like um, at the top end, and um, try to try to um, yeah, be close to the podium or yeah, place well. Um, so I've, you know, looked into it a little bit, and um, yeah, generally it's one in under two thirty. So if I can break two thirty, uh, I'll be wrapped. Oh, awesome! What have you run for? I've the done two twenty two at Berlin. Jeez, man, yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been oh, a blast as well. The Berlin Marathon would have been it was unreal. So good. Um, Kipchoge broke the world record that day, and Berlin. If you want to run fast, like I'd recommend it to anyone. It's um, it's flat. There's no hills. There's no wind. It's 14 degrees um, most most years. Oh, well, did you do it last oh, sorry, year? No, um, 2018. So he he broke the world record again last oh. year. So it's no longer the world record. Um, I used to hang my hat on that. I was like, I was in the race. <laughs> um, Gee, yeah, it's funny when you talk about a bloke like him. Like he has broken it at Berlin, yeah. but twice. So he just breaks world record like uh, like yeah, exactly. I eat breakfast. Just a, a regular occurrence. <laughs> yeah, he's a freak, man. Oh, dude, that'd be unreal. Yeah, okay. So sub two thirty, you're looking, um, and that feature pretty pretty highly. When you say you're not fit at the moment, what do you mean? Like you're obviously like fitter than most people who say they're not fit, yeah. but. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm like, what, yeah, is that just due to your calf I'm training healthy and, stuff, and everything and I'm, and I'm fit, but, it, yeah. um, but in respect to, um, uh, where I'd probably want to be to run a good marathon, like I, I just know like I'll fade hard, like the last, um, 15 K and, and not run strong. So I've got to, um, uh, just sort of, like you said before, get that callus, 
callus the legs a little bit. I've just been training for 5K um, uh, training and not, not covering enough volume, really focused on trying to run better with better form and technique um, over the, the past, um, yeah, 12, 12, 14 months. And, and I feel like, um, yeah, my, so my, I've got this really short shuffly kind of technique and um, like I take like 200 steps a minute um, and I've tried to like um, now that I don't have a sore Achilles and I've, I've really tried to work on skipping and um, and keeping up with the kids I coach and, and running a bit more, and doing a bit more athletic kind of stuff like chin-ups and ha- handstands and um, just just things that I hadn't done. I was scared to do a handstand and now I can do a handstand. Just um, trying to like reconnect with that aspect of um, – uh, something that I hadn't done and it was just good because it was more time efficient um, over the last 14 months to do that stuff um, um, being being a dad and um, uh, so, so now like I'm excited to try to just in a sensible way like just add a little bit more onto a Wednesday and a Sunday and and see see um, see if it can um, yeah turn out into a bit an okay marathon but yeah just just haven't been Doing, yeah. I've probably been doing half the mileage that I used to do. So probably about 70, 60 Ks a week rather than 120, 150 Ks a week. Gee. And so that Wednesday long run, like what are you doing at the moment and what would you get that up to in the next sort of, like during that 16-week block? Yeah, so I've just been like squeezing it in between appointments at the moment and just been doing like 45 minutes to 60 minutes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get that up to 90 and then, and then pretty much like um, – I'm going to do two hours, uh, my first two-hour long run uh, uh, for about 14 months um, uh, on the weekend. So that'll that'll be a shock to legs. Um, and just going to do it over hills. So there's um, Arthur's seat down this way, and we'll just be rolling over those hills and yeah, up and down. Um, and yeah, trying to trying to strengthen the legs and do and and like last oh the other week was my first 100k week actually. Um, for, for 14 months too so just just to try to like slowly edge it into um yeah a bit more marathon training but still like um be a good dad and uh yeah be time efficient that's the balance yeah. isn't it yeah i know exactly what you mean that's the yeah it's it's funny when you've just got your whole life to to just train for yourself yeah. or not just train but to do whatever you want with your time it's weird when this little human comes in and you've got to make that decision like, all right, do I actually want to do this dad thing well or am I just going to keep running 150K a week? Because there's definitely yeah. a, a weird threshold that you've got to try and balance. So, yeah, I'm playing the same game over here a little bit, man. It's a, it's a, it's a funny thing, but definitely definitely, I feel the right priority as well. So, no, Have that's unreal. That's really good, man. Uh, no, I don't. I I need to get one, really. I probably should get one. I couldn't justify it when Charlie was born because I really wasn't running that much. It was it was more just I would go for a jog a couple of times a week and I was in the gym and doing yoga and I was just doing that general fun kind of fitness. But yeah. uh, I've got a mate of mine who runs around here with his two kids. And so I think with some of the runs that I've been doing lately, I, I probably should start to to think about it because I reckon especially when I get out to those two-hour runs, Jesse would, my Jesse would love it. Yeah, if I uh, if I took one of the boys with me, it'd make it easier to justify getting out as well. Yeah, that's going to be my trump card as well. Yeah, I think that's how I'm going to justify. <laughs> Babe, it. I'm doing this for you. Yeah. I'm doing it for you. <laughs> that's what Riley takes to it. Like, um, yeah, I haven't done it yet, um, so I, I need to get a pram as well. Uh, this uh, my problem would be Charlie, my older boy. He's a legend, but just so much energy, dude. Obsessed with running. It's so funny. Yeah. And I'm so proud of his little two-year-old technique as well because he runs along like a champ. I'm like, mate, every time I see him run, it looks like he's trying to focus on doing good technique. I'm like, that's my boy. That's my boy. Um, but uh, my problem would be I would get 10K out into a long run and he would want to get out and start running and it would just be the most painful 10K walk home <laughs> for both of us. So, yeah, maybe I'll take my newer, my newer boy, Ollie, and uh, just train him up to it. Anyway. Oh, that's good. Have you? Did you say you've got one? No, nah, I'm gonna. I'm, I still need to get one. I think that's um oh, yeah. gonna be like actually like um a key key part to the marathon training because if I can get that, then I'll feel like um, not guilty um, going out on some yeah. longer runs. So I think that's what's holding me back um, at the moment. Uh, so I think that'll be a 
a key training decision. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Well, dude, it's good to uh, it's good to catch up with you. I'm I'm excited to watch the progress, and um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to touch base again the next couple of months and and talk some more run talk because um, there's plenty of things happening. I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about Cam Myers, the Aussie kid oh, that I was yeah, going to bring up yeah. to you, who ran three forty the other day, and I'm really excited to watch him. Um, but it's just it's it's funny being like for me especially I'm out of the sport more than I ever was like I'm I'm coaching athletes but the athletes aren't running track they're more in the marathon so to you know to tune in with the track sessions from time to time and see what's going on blows my mind and one of those days was the other day when I I saw Ken Myers run 340 at age 16 I was like all right this is yeah. like things have there's something in the water that's different from when I was 16 because yeah. I think the fastest kid then was Remember Tyson Mark? Yeah. I think he was running three fifty five, and he was the king. Yeah, exactly, and he, he was the absolute god. Like, like it, like um, it was yeah. un, like you just were like so surprised with what he could do. So to to see Cam Myers and the way that he did it, he looked beautiful. Like in that last straight, um, unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's so good to to watch as an athletics fan. <laughs> It is, man. It is. Anyway, I'm looking forward to watching the next 12 months of him. I've got to try and get him on here. So if anyone knows him, puts me in contact. Hey, please do. I'd love to talk to him. But wait, dude, I'm going to let you go because I know you've got a day of work ahead of you. Um, but as always, great to great to catch up, man. Thanks for letting me pick your brain and, and talk some running with you. It was fun. Yeah, you too, Tice. Always love to chat. And um, yeah, good luck on your Melbourne Marathon prep too. We'll have to keep each other um, yeah. accountable. Are you doing massage, dude? Because I might even come yeah. and get that massage off you. I'll book in because... Yeah. Uh, I, I need to just make the effort um, and it's way easier with a bloke that you know, rather than just going into some strange bloke's office. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, <laughs> yeah, let, let me know. Um, yeah. Massage. Right, um, I, I'm yeah. Treating quite a few people with massage and, and then um, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy doing the exercise stuff as well. Um, uh, but yeah, no, awesome. That'd be, that'd be great. All right, brother. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll do it. All right. Wait, I'll leave you to All it. Right, I'll see you, you soon. Bye-bye. See you, man. See everyone. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com.